Welcome to Treach. I'm Pastor Nick McRae, one of the associate pastors here, and uh, it is my honor to bring you a message from God's Word today. Uh, if you are joining us in worship for the very first time, we're uh, especially glad that you're here. And we'd really appreciate it if you would, if you would sign in to let us know you're here. You can do that by uh, capturing the, the QR code that's on the screen to sign in. Let us know you're here and kind of tell us how we can get in contact with you because we would, we would love to, to get to know you and uh, learn how we, can, how we can serve you and help you grow in your relationship to Jesus Christ. And of course, uh, to those of you who are not joining us for the first time, uh, we're also so glad that you've joined us again here today. Well, friends, today we're beginning a new worship series, which is called The Man. And it's about, well, the man, Jesus. Um, <laughs> and uh, what we'll be doing through, through all of August is focusing on, um, on some very important aspects of who Jesus is. You know, one of the most important, most central um, teachings of the Christian faith is that Jesus Christ is both fully God and fully man in a way that's almost hard to understand, in a way that only God could accomplish. And uh, so what we're gonna be doing through this month is, is focusing really on that fully human, that fully human side of Jesus that'll help us uh, to come to know our God and know that, that fully divine aspect of Jesus even better. Um, yeah, because Jesus is fully God and fully man, not, not, uh, not, not you know, completely divine that just kind of looks human, uh, and not uh, just a really great human that sort of God chose to be his son, and not even a little bit God and a little bit human, but, but fully God and fully human. And so we need to learn how to embrace both parts, uh, both um, of these, I guess, aspects of who Jesus is. To do that, every week we're going to be focusing on a different sort of human role that Christ played during his life. And this week we're going to talk about Jesus as a son. You know, the, the, the word son appears uh, talking about Jesus in the Bible so many different times because there's a lot of different titles and roles within that that, that are assigned to Jesus. We hear him spoken of as the son of David, meaning the descendant of the King David, of the great King David. Um, we hear him or read that he is um, the son of man, which is kind of a way of saying a, a, a sort of sort of epitome of humanity, uh, one who is truly human. And we also see that Jesus is son of God. And this is that, that right, that Jesus is this one special, uh, only begotten son that has come from God in this special way. And so to, to add to all of that, Jesus was also the son of, of people. He had parents. You know, first of all, there's, there's Mary. Uh, who was the, the, young, the young virgin we read about in the early parts of, of Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel, um, to, whom, to whom an angel came, a messenger from God, and said, you will uh, conceive a child by the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and you will call him Jesus because he'll save his people, and he'll be the one who is God with us. And so uh, Mary is his, his mother. He's, he's the son of Mary. And Jesus is also the son of Joseph in an interesting way. So Joseph was this man who was betrothed to, 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 to be married to Mary and uh, eventually did marry Mary. Uh, I guess in my accent, those words sound exactly the same. Uh, who, who, uh, who did marry Mary and became her husband. And uh, though he wasn't the biological father of Jesus. He was uh, the adopted father of Jesus and raised Jesus as his own son. And so Jesus was the son of Mary and the son of 
Joseph. And so to me, this begs the question, like, what was Jesus like as a son? What kind of son was he? What would it have been like to have Jesus as your, your son? And there's, I think, several places we could look in Scripture to learn a, a little bit about that. Um, we have to kind of read around the, the, um, around the edges and between the lines at some points because there's really uh, very little in the scripture about Jesus's childhood and young adulthood, really from the time he's uh, a, a baby until he's 30 years old, we get very little. In fact, there's really just one, we get one story and it's in Luke's gospel. And that's where we're going to be focusing today and using as a springboard today to understand who Jesus is and was and always will be as a son. And um, so this is in Luke's gospel. Uh, we're going to begin in verse, chapter two, beginning in verse 39. And uh, 30, 39 and 40 right here, they're finished, it's kind of finishing up the story before it. And so what's just happened is uh, Jesus, a little infant Jesus has been taken to Jerusalem, to the temple by Mary and Joseph. This was a part of the Jewish law that the, the first child that was born to every woman, every Jewish woman uh, should be taken to the temple and, and there should be a special ritual to dedicate him to, uh, to God and, and other things would take place. And so that's just happened. He's just been presented to the temple as a baby. And we read this. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. That second sentence there is uh, in verse 40. Um, it's really all we have about Jesus from, you know, the time he's a baby until age 12, where the next story will, will take us. The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. So we continue reading into this one uh, sort of full story that we have. Every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem to the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So this is the one story we get of, of Jesus's childhood. And it's very interesting, and I think we learn um, at least a couple of things about what Jesus was like as a son. And uh, the first of these is that Jesus must have been, was clearly uh, very wise, wise beyond his years. I mean, one of the clues to this is, uh, well, is that first of all, we, we, we hear about it so many times, even in this short story. The first thing that I read, remember, was, uh, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. So that's the very beginning of this. 
And we go to the end, we see it's there in the very last verse as well, verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And then if we look, we find right in the middle of this, this passage uh, where we see uh, verses 46 and 47, right? After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So we get understanding here, and that's not the same word as wisdom, but especially if you look in the Old Testament, you look in the, uh, the Proverbs and certain parts of the Psalms, you'll see that, that these two ideas of wisdom and understanding are often paired together as kind of complementary uh, features, really almost synonyms. They're um, two sides of the same coin, as it was. So this story begins in wisdom. Uh, wisdom's right at the heart of it, and it ends in wisdom. So clearly, Jesus was very wise, wise beyond his years. I imagine that's part of what uh, Luke meant when he wrote in verse 40, that the grace of God was on him, right? The favor of God, the gift of God, this sort of, you know, everyone's given a certain natural proportion of wisdom. Uh, maybe some are wiser than others. Jesus, um, Jesus seemed to be, have been wiser than most, had this sort of special favor of God on him. And what parent doesn't want that? What parent doesn't want their child to be wise? I mean, any, all the parents who are out there, think of, I, I, I bet you don't have to think very hard to think of a time when, when um, maybe if one of your children had had just a, a little more wisdom, it might've saved them a lot of trouble and it saved you a lot of heartache. I bet it wouldn't be hard for you to think of a time. And for those of us who are, or all of us are someone's children, but maybe those who, are, who, who aren't children or who are not parents yet, um, I imagine you could think of a time when, you know, if you had been a little wiser, I can, I can think of a time if, if I had had a little, if I'd had a little more wisdom, um, I probably could have saved, again, myself a lot of trouble and my mother and father a lot of heartache. What parent doesn't want their child to be wise? And Jesus certainly was that. Something else we learned in this passage, I think, is that, is that and it may not seem obvious at first, uh, but was that Jesus was a, an extremely obedient and dutiful son. I mean, we, we see there in, um, in verse 51 where it says, uh, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Now, uh, in the English, it's a little ambiguous. It kind of sounds like, okay, he wasn't very obedient. And then after this episode, he sort of became obedient and went home with them. But in the Greek, uh, the, the grammar is a little different. And it's kind of a, a, kind of a continuous, um, there's a continuous notion to it. So that, that Jesus sort of continued in, in his obedience. So not that he wasn't obedient and became obedient, but that he, his obedience never stopped and, and, and continued maybe even to grow to his parents. Um, and we'll, we'll, that seem, maybe seem kind of strange though, considering this incident, right? Because um, it, what it kind of looks like is, right? So we imagine Mary and Joseph, they're, they're in their, their caravan with their, their relatives and all the other people from Nazareth and they're leaving Jerusalem and they're going up the road. And then at some point, right, a day later, they realize, wait a second, we haven't seen Jesus in a while. And we thought he was back with the with, our, you know, with, with, with grandma and grandpa, or we thought he was back with the aunt and uncle, but it uh, turns out he's not there. Um, and so they get to looking for him sort of, sort of uh, frantically, right? And it kind of, what it kind of seems like is that Jesus must not have been where he was supposed to be, right? That maybe, you can imagine maybe Mary had said, all right, Jesus, we're leaving in five minutes. Uh, be out to the caravan in five minutes, uh, or, or we're gonna leave you behind. Um, 
that could be, but of course we don't know that. We don't get that part of the story. Um, it very well could have been, once again, we don't know, it very well could have been that, that uh, they forgot to tell Jesus that it was time to leave and that you know, they forgot to swing by the temple on the way out of town to pick him up and that he would just uh, sort of remained there um, uh, unwittingly. Once again, we don't know that. Um, but it still seems like there's something familiar about this story, right? Jesus is not where he's supposed to be. The parents are, are uh, distraught and they come to him and they find him, right? And they say, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. But Jesus' answer here is very revealing, I think, because here's what he says. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And see, there's a purposeful parallel there. Mary could have just said, uh, you know, I've been looking for you, but she says, you know, your father and I have been looking for you. And Jesus says, yeah, but I was with my father. Right? Because Jesus is wise and Jesus understands, at least to some extent at this point, who he is and whose son he truly is, whose unique son, only begotten son he is. And what I think we learned from this is not that, not that, um, that, um, anything about Joseph, right? I mean, because what, what we could hear here is Jesus is saying, well, Joseph, you're not my real dad. Um, and especially to, to any who may be adoptive parents out here, out there, uh, you may have heard something like that in the past. You may have experienced that and, and no doubt it's painful. Um, and who knows, it may, this may have been a painful thing for Joseph to hear, not understanding what was going on, but, but I don't think that's, that's what the point is here. The point is, Jesus says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Another way to translate this is, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? What I hear that is, didn't you know I had to be obedient to my father? To my father in heaven. That it was God's will that I, that I would be here in the temple, among the teachers, sitting at their feet and, and, and talking with them and, and, and sharing my understanding and gaining understanding. It was it was the heavenly father's will, God's will, that I would do that. And so it's not that, that Jesus was disobedient to his earthly parents, but that he was, was um, completely obedient to God, completely obedient to his heavenly father. And what this tells us is that, friends, as, um, as good as something may be, as good and, and, and wonderful as it may be, such as family, uh, uh, what I would only imagine to be a wonderful family like the family of Jesus and Mary and Joseph, um, as good of a thing as that may be, uh, and as much of our care and allegiance that we may, uh, it may be our duty to give to our family, um, there's something that commands more uh, uh, obedience, something that commands a deeper obedience, a deeper commitment, and that is to God, the Heavenly Father, even beyond the earthly parents. And so Jesus shows us an example of that. Jesus shows us this, this deep obedience to God and that God should be the ultimate uh, target, the ultimate source of, of our, our allegiance and commitment and obedience. And you know, Jesus was so obedient throughout his entire life to God. You can read it all through the gospels. Um, that he followed God's lead every step of the way and was uh, loyal to God and, no, and to no one else uh, when it came in conflict with that every step of the way. And that obedience led him 
all the way to the cross. And we read in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, that, 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 that Christ was obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Right? This obedience to God led him to the cross. And why would he do something like that? Well, it was, it was for our sake. Because we read in, in many places in the New Testament we could look to, but I think especially of, um, of in, uh, in the book of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, where he says, he says, uh, he bore our sins in his body on the cross. That by his wounds, we are healed. See, see, see Christ was obedient to God. He, he took our sin upon himself, into himself on the cross. And through that, he, he destroyed that sin, that, that, that thing that was, that was separating us from God. Because you see, that's what, that's what sin is. One of the ways to think about sin is that it's, this, it's a separation from God. And one of the things that causes that, one of the major things that causes this separation is, is a, a misplaced allegiance, misplaced loyalty, misplaced obedience. Because we put so many things between ourselves and God, we put so much ahead of God, in our lives and obedience to God and God's word in our lives. We put, we put our, uh, we put our, our, our jobs, uh, we put our, um, our politics. Lord knows we've all experienced that. We've either been a part of that or seen that all around us in the past, uh, well, past number of years. Um, sort of making politics our ultimate allegiance. Uh, um, even something as seemingly um, wholesome and healthy and, and, and really good and blessed by God as family can become a, a disordered attachment when we put our, our family and our, our allegiance to family in front of our allegiance to God. But Jesus removed that. And in fact, Jesus made a way for us to become God's children, just like himself. You know, and hearing that, I wonder if you're thinking, okay, so Jesus, the cross made a way for us to become God's children, but aren't we, aren't we all, all already God's children? I mean, isn't every person a child of God? And to that, I would say, well, uh, the, the Bible, the biblical answer is yes, yes and no. On the one hand, every human being is made in the image of God and every human being owes our existence, our creation every breath to God. In that sense, we're all, all God's offspring. We, we read in, in the book of Acts, uh, in the 17th chapter, I think it's verse 28, where uh, Paul is, is, is preaching to the, the, the philosophers in Athens, and he quotes one of their poets back to them, and he says, even your own poets have said, we are all his offspring. Right, where he's trying to try to connect with these with these uh, sort of pagan philosophers. Yeah, you know, we are all his offspring, and that is true. We all come from God. God is the source of everything. And yet, um, then we read things in the New Testament like this. This comes from John's Gospel, the sort of uh, prologue to John's Gospel in ch chapter one. And we read this: the true light, and that's a metaphor for Jesus. So Jesus, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and through, uh, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So John says it's, it's through um, 
receiving Christ through, through, through believing in Christ's name that we, we give, we earn the, the, or we are given the right to become children of God. And so, so while, while we're all God's offspring, uh, every human being is God's offspring, um, it's through Christ that we come into the fullness of this, um, of this parent-child relationship uh, with, with God. And we see that spelled out just a little bit more clearly in, uh, in Galatians in the third chapter when we read this, beginning in verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And then a little bit down in chapter four, we read this. Because you are his sons, God's sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Through Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross, through his obedience to God, we're made brothers and sisters of, of Christ, co-heirs with Christ to inherit all the blessings of, of the children of God. And so friends, um, let's put our faith in Christ, trust in that promise, receive this gift of life, this gift of forgiveness, the gift of this new relationship with God that, that Christ offers and that Christ won for us through the cross. So Christ shows us uh, this ultimate obedience to God. That obedience to God has made a way for us to become sons and daughters of God. And, and so finally, uh, having put our faith in Christ, what's left to do? What's the point of all this? Where is it going? is that we then live into that model that Christ showed us in his boyhood even, that even as a young, as a young man, not even 13 years old yet, only 12 years old, was so wise to know um, to whom his ultimate obedience was due. And that was to God his Father. And so we, we put all our trust in, in God. And the last thing I'll, I'll say is the one last question comes up for me when I'm thinking through this, and that is, okay, so how do we do that? Like, what do we, how do we know God's will? How do we know what God wants us to do? And I think there's just very simply three ways to, um, to begin to discern God's will. And first is, is God's word. Uh, to, with the, the eyes of faith, to read God's word, to read the, the Bible, and to, to begin to learn uh, this pattern of life from Christ that he showed us. So simply reading scripture, Jesus himself, when he was in need of wisdom, when he uh, needed to, to overcome temptation, he would turn to, the, to God's word, to the scripture, to the Old Testament, uh, to even defeat, uh, defeat the enemy in the, in the desert. And that's, that's another story. Um, so the second thing would be, I would say, is to pray through prayer. Uh, James in his, in his letter says, this is Jesus' brother. He says, if anyone uh, wants to seek wisdom, anyone wants wisdom, ask God in prayer and God will give it to you. So just simply seek God's will and pray to God and ask God, what is your will? 
Lead me and guide me. Show me the way that you would have me go. Show me how you would have me live in the light of what Jesus has done for me. And friends, I promise that over time, you'll begin to, 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 to see the results of that in your life and you'll begin to feel God leading you and see God, help discern God leading you and showing you God's will. And very finally, I would say just uh, to seek the counsel of wise Christian friends. You know, there's only so much we can do alone and that's why God created, uh, one of the reasons I think God created a church, not just individuals out there by themselves, but a body of believers to come together to, to read the scripture, to pray together and to seek God's will and community. Well, friends, um, let's pray to God and, uh, and, and um, seek him together today. Oh God, we give you thanks for everything that you've done for us for the wisdom that you, you gave your son, Jesus Christ, that he could show us through his life the way to live and, and it would show us the way to be obedient to you. And God, we, we give you thanks for what Jesus did on the cross, that he made a way for us to become your children. We give you thanks, God, that you don't abandon us, that, 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 that through faith in him, we can, we can know your will. We can seek you and that you will never leave us or abandon us because we are your children. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, friends, as always, I, we want to thank you for your incredible generosity your, and your faithful generosity. It's because of your giving, the sacrificial giving uh, that, you, that you practice uh, with this church that we are able to, uh, to, to, to spread God's word. Uh, throughout, uh, throughout Flower Mound and throughout our neighborhood and, and, and over the internet as well. And, and, and so many other things. We're able to help our neighbors, help those who are in need and so much more. So we thank you for that. If you'd like to give, uh, you can uh, give by scanning the QR code on the screen, wherever it may be. Um, or you can text the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. Thank you. God bless.